Welcome to Deep Color, the oral history project and podcast series that features artists and arts professionals discussing their work, ideas, and lives, offering listeners a forthright and unique understanding about the process, experiences, and people behind the artistic pursuit. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. Each recording is casual, long-form, and unscripted. Deep Color is independently produced and a free resource for listeners. Please help sustain this project by becoming an official patron through the support page at deepcolorpodcast.com. There are very reasonable donation tiers for supporters to choose from and feel good about. In doing this, you acknowledge the time and labor that goes into creating Deep Color and appreciate its value. You can also help by sharing Deep Color within your community and by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for helping to make these conversations about art and the creative process possible. This is a special episode. My close friend, Matt Rich, organized, hosted, and recorded the following conversation with artist Rodrigo Valenzuela. Matt is an incredible visual artist, teacher, and a wonderful observer and thinker. Rodrigo is a Chilean-born artist that works primarily with photography and video. For his photographic work, he builds elaborate scenes and sets that incorporate found objects, construction site materials, and printed photographs of those same materials. He then photographs these setups to create images that capture a complex interplay of real and photographic space, a wide range of material effects and textures, and somber and funky forms that evoke DIY architectural monuments or hastily assembled protest barriers. His work smashes together the considerations of a well-made photograph with these rickety, ambiguous sculptures, while considering the value of labor, the language of modernist architecture, and the inefficiency of bureaucracy. Rodrigo is an assistant professor in the Department of Art at UCLA. This conversation was recorded in 2019 in Rodrigo's UCLA office in Los Angeles, which is the unceded land of the Tongva people. I'm recording already, is that okay? Yeah. I have questions, they're informal questions. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm in Rodrigo's uh, studio uh, on the campus of UCLA where he's been working for, this is his third year? Third year. Third year as assistant professor um, in photography, do they say? Yes. All right. Uh, Anyways, I'm so happy to have you here. And for those uh, people in the audience that may not know your work, there's a couple of different parts to it. But would you mind giving us an an overview of what you make? Uh, It's interesting because the things I make are very different to the things I show, Mm -hmm. right? So I I often show photography and video. Mm -hmm. And and I think most recently in New York, I had um, three videos at the New Museum Mm -hmm. and and I had a photography show at uh, the Orange County Museum. but the new the, museum show was a screening. Yeah, right? it was a screen. Was yep. a screen in the in the in the basement. So there were like so, you three can do, videos you, in a black box, which is not something you always. Well, there they was one component of black box, yeah. and there were some screens on the hallways, mm-hmm. like so you could like mm-hmm. see it um, uh, on your way to the restroom. Yeah. Then. <laughs> I the, like it down there. Yeah, there's a I know. security guard there, down there's, there. There's a comfort about knowing that you're really close. <laughs> you're, you're almost there. <laughs> yes. The. <Agreed. laughs> 
the, I think like, but the things I make in the studio yeah. are mostly sculptural works, mm -hmm. right? So like, I just, I just like, I'm a shitty sculptor, so like, I just never could, but they look good in photos. So, I mean, those obviously this is kind of like a self-deprecating part where like, I, I, I make objects that they feel unique enough to be documented. But yeah. then I don't want people to have, I, I want the, the experience of the, the object be kind of stay in the studio mm -hmm. as a, um, uh, almost as a thought. Mm -hmm. And then I, I show that, I show the thought. That's interesting. We'll dig into that in a second. But I want to push back on that a little bit because you're not, I mean, um, you've done this now. You've made, yeah. you've, you've, you've used different materials in different ways to make different kinds of photographs with different kinds of post-production yeah. manipulation. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But you know now what, what works probably, right? I mean, even though this was a, you're doing this sort of provisional, I'll do it just enough where it can make a good photograph. But you've probably educated yourself in this very unique, very specific way to know what's going to work and what's not going to work. You become skilled at this probably. Yeah, I mean, the photo part of the skills is, is, is interesting because you accumulate language, right? And so at some point, I am not trying to... Uh, I'm trying to think about stuff or images that mm -hmm. I haven't seen or mm -hmm. I, I don't understand. As mm -hmm. we were saying earlier, we're like, we're, I'm in the point where I want to know, as I tell to my, my students, is... I want to I wanna think with the work, mm -hmm. not about the work, mm -hmm. right? So I want to make images that I'm like, yeah, it's interesting and it's beautiful. So there is a lot of issues with that because like, yes, I, I know how to make an image mm -hmm. and I teach photography and mm -hmm. I, I taught myself photography. So, so I like, I, and I want to see beautiful images, like very simply, like I really, there is a lot of photographers that are showing big museums that you get closer mm -hmm. and the grain is it's, it's all pixelated, it's badly exposed and people celebrate them for like the, 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 the subject matter of the issue. Yeah. And I was like, what, what is the pleasure of making something, mm -hmm. right? So like uh, to me it's like, you, you know, care the, about the photograph. I, I care yeah. about the object and I care about the photo. And uh, the same way when I'm in a studio, I care about the object being like an interesting piece mm -hmm. that I can I can take a picture of, that is worth taking a picture of, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So um, so there is a lot of layers where like, uh, but, you know, I can be thinking about, you know, any issue that is part of the contemporary language, like as like can be capitalism mm -hmm. or can be like racial divides and mm -hmm. like a lot of issues that my body talk, talks about or touches on but to me making an image that is beautiful or striking or interesting is uh is part of the job you can do both things at the same time yes. and like i think there is so many times that like in art school like uh, there is some sort of there is a lot of layers of kind of like poetic formalism in my work and there is a lot of layers of like like you know like very old school traditional image making you know like I, I still use film and you can see the grain and I develop the film myself and mm -hmm. stuff like that but I'm still trying to address contemporary issues so yeah it, it is um, I think uh, making it beautiful and making it smart mm -hmm. is kind of like the two things I, I'm, I'm thinking so yeah the images are prof I know how to make them yes. and I know how to make them good which is a problem because um a lot of the time you can just like rely a lot on your skills to make images look good. And then, and then they could be dumb. 
but I don't know, like, is 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 that why you need good friends? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard. Like, uh, a lot of the time, um, yeah, with with friends like uh, Ronnie Quevedo in New York or Harold Mendes here, we like always joke around when we see bad art in the uh, in the streets. Like we we say that the, oh, that guy has no friends. <laughs> like it's, it's like it's not like the it's not like the work is not like. You know, so like, I mean, if you, a, a good friend will not let you dry drunk, right? So like yeah. a good friend shouldn't let you make shitty art. It's annoying in the beginning, yeah. like that night you're like annoyed that like he took the keys away yeah. and then you cannot go home and then you got to take a Uber and come back next day to get the car. Yeah. But in a couple of days, you, you should appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Like, and also if you, somebody come and give you like shit in your studio and it's, it's annoying because you were like killing it in your mind. Yeah. But then you realize oh, that, like, hugely, you realize that. hugely important. When I when I relocated from the east to the west part of this country, I, that's the thing I missed most was all the people that I had, all the yeah. relationships I developed with people who were really good at the, talking to me at the beginning of a process, and really people who really had smart, wonderful minds for what how to put together a show at the end of the process. Yeah. So I missed that, you know. Yeah, and a different mindset, and different kind of friends. You know, there is people that are better good with ideas mm -hmm. that you couldn't trust them to finish a mm -hmm. piece, and there is other people that are like better editors. Wonderful eyes, yeah. You know. So, okay, we have to slow down. We, 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 there's many, many good things in what you said here, but we still haven't really described. So you make, you make, you show photo and video you make in the studio sculpture. Can you talk about a finished piece and how a finished photograph, for example, um, again, for an audience that maybe not know what your work looks like or have seen it online, but maybe not know in person what you can see. Could you describe a photograph and how it comes into being? Yeah, well, two issues that a lot of the work, um, the it is uh, works as a essays, mm -hmm. right? So I have work, essays, right? yeah. So like I I have work projects about um, you know like monuments, uh, mm -hmm. but very different in the way you thinking uh, thinking about mon Chilean monuments mm -hmm. or like Latin American monuments. Um, these things called animitas that they are like rosa altars that in my mind they are monuments, right? For unknown people. I have done projects about like um, can I respond to the ruined porn photography mentality, right? Mm -hmm. I just did a project, uh, the one at the Orange County Museum that was called American Type, that there were uh, photos that you know uh, still the gestures of um, of um, American Type after Clement Greenberg essay, American Type painting. So still a lot of the gestures for an abstract expressionism mm -hmm. to like. Um, you know, to talk about the message behind this abstraction, mm -hmm. which in the sixties was very strong politically, the mm -hmm. gesture of not having any content, but in the in the in right now is is the king of the market, right? It's like it's not about political content. Like having abstract painting is mm -hmm. just not is something that the market loves. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> That's it. Mostly in LA on like the West Coast. So like, so like the the photos take a lot of they have different shapes. Often they are very large and black and white. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time they are around 44 by 54 mm -hmm. and uh, they are uh, printed in a very kind of like watercolor paper mm -hmm. or like very low texture paper. But so the blacks are very chalky. The mm -hmm. whites are very it's a soft matte surface. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a matte surface. So like are they are they black and white photographs or, are them, or is the content in them black and white? Or both. <laughs> both. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I, I engage with a lot of history of painting and, f and photography, and I think it's um, 
I think uh, because I'm so interested in um, in certain iconological components of the work, like what the what the objects mean as a like. So the clamps or the or the or the yeah. the sawhorses or the stand. or the boards from Home Depot or whatever. Yeah, how they stand as a like. Or the clams, <laughs> you know, like addressing their clamness and the addressing their boredness. So, like the scene black and white kind of frees you from um, from the like the color and the aesthetic that is particular to like a brand or particular to the times, mm -hmm. right? So, black and white really help you to like only focus on kind of the the core of intentions of the object itself and mm -hmm. not kind of like about the the trendiness or the moments or like the fashion of them. Mm -hmm. So you so you set up in your studio. You have a, often a background of, that's yeah. usually photographic in nature that you've produced, um, yeah. that you've captured, and then sort of produced either on you know regular you know eight and a half by eleven sheets of office paper or sometimes on mural print paper. Yeah, and then uh, and the space is often twelve feet, <laughs> sixteen feet deep, something like that. And you set up materials take a photograph print it out put it on the background put it on the back wall and then reset up those same materials and shoot them again right so it's this layered process yeah and i think i do it it's funny when i did um you know like 10 years ago it was it was very different than doing now where like so many people having the discord about the image making process mm -hmm. and to me it was it's, it has been about image making but there is limitations in the space that you have mm -hmm. so i think it's interesting that there is a photographic space that will allow you to make more space within mm -hmm. the photographic space mm -hmm. so but the main intent the main reason why i do that um kind of move or the gesture of um documenting my own work in some way mm -hmm. it is for something that i think is very necessary these days uh, which is um have an idea Mm -hmm. And think that the idea may be dumb, mm -hmm. so it you may, may be, you may, may you, you may need to correct it. So like I think the idea of like mm -hmm. having second thoughts or like mm -hmm. and, and and making a body of work, making a a thought process out of a second thoughts, and like I think allowing yourself to spend time with your own work before mm -hmm. it isn't work, right? Is is one thing documenting like making a work. And then having it frame and printed, and then there and spending time and decide to show it or not, right? It's a different than making something that is not quite their art, mm -hmm. and then thinking about that in terms of like how that can become something that you call a works, mm -hmm. right? So how any object can become work, how any images can become a works of art. So I sit there and I look at the work, I look at these backgrounds I made of something I already I made with my hands, I photograph it, I mm -hmm. make these backdrops, and then they may be interesting like that mm -hmm. and then I just not shoot anything and maybe I need, I need to correct it but again it's like uh, it's also to fight that mentality of the the straight shooter and that is like photographically mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like and, and, and personally one too shot, right one kill. yeah and I think it's like I mean you see it prevalent in like in, in contemporary discourse about politics right it's mm -hmm. like people want to vote for the straight shooter mm -hmm. it's like What's up with being thoughtful? What's mm -hmm. up with taking time to think about it? Why that is like, and which is like addressed a lot of issues of photography. It's like, why the immediacy of a thought or the immediacy of a shot or a capture something is more real than an idea that keeps coming back, right? How taking time to make something is like, is less real. 
how the meaning something mm -hmm. like meant to do something it became less real than the thought that only happened once that the thing that you just say the minute you know so it, it, i think we have a very very interesting relationship to like what what can be a real thought versus an authentic authentic thought and but i also yeah and i see that you're you're sort of acknowledging i mean you say second thoughts and i think everybody thinks about second thoughts and you know it makes you sort of steer but you're really you're really um slowing that down and it's really you really mean a process and you really mean a something of substance that happens in that stage of second guessing i mean we don't you know assuming things are dumb it seems like you know you you might really want to um encourage <laughs> encourage the thing you made to to um need or want to be something else or need to want another kind of process so uh, you know i go back to something you said 10 15, 10 minutes ago maybe you were talking about knowing versus not knowing i know how to make a good photograph and then you said these sort of self-depreciating um, things about you know being a sculptor and being not a good sculptor, a good enough sculptor to make a good photograph. But it seems like you're really carving out a space in your process and your thinking, both um, in your photographs as well as well. You know, making photographing spaces of photograph spaces. You're you're um, you're making a place for yeah uncertainty that that sort of holds you at bay a little bit. Yeah, I think there is um, a healthy level of a doubt about what I'm chasing from mm -hmm. the from the moment, right? I and the thing is like you read it in you have to have a conversation with yourself, not only like doubt uh, or like a conversation with other people. It's just like you spend you're the one that spend the most time with this work, right? Mm -hmm. any, any any of us, like with your paintings or like objects and, uh, but I feel if you are not playing like some sort of devil's advocates for mm -hmm. these ideas, mm -hmm. like it's just like, it doesn't go a lot farther. Mm -hmm. So um, just spending time with it and kind of really thinking about um, that the process may be fluffle. Like, you know, I, I, I think a lot about, you know, something that I do, I'm working on a book right now and I'm working on a couple of texts for the book and I think you're writing a text yeah I'm writing like three essays mm -hmm. I write essays in the side that I mm -hmm. haven't shown I'm, I may show it for my next show in um in LA mm -hmm. um, but you know because you learn how to basically art school like mostly uh, MFA program they don't teach you how to paint more right mm -hmm. they, they just teach you how to talk about art and how to like and they give you two years to like keep working on your art without mm -hmm. like, you know, kind of, it's time, uh, it's time. Just time yeah. you know? So um, I think the biggest flaw that we have is that um, as artists that we convince ourselves of some dumb shit, like all the time. And like we come, we lie to ourselves way too much. Yeah. And like, I think, and that's what's like, you know, when I finished Esco Higan, like by the end, like my, this is one of my closest friends and one of the smartest people I know, Matthew Brannon, he is like really brilliant artist and very thoughtful person and he like the advice that he give to all of us when we finish was like just don't get on the way of yourself right mm -hmm. it's like and that that advice is have uh, changed my life in the way of uh like i don't convince myself of things like that why i can make, i mean i had 25 shows last year yeah. so it's a lot of work and i make like two or three bodies of work of photos and i make like one or two videos Right, so, so the 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 
the speed I produce is uh, is doesn't I, and I think like I don't don't something doubt the work in, in some way. I have convinced a lot of people that are around me that it's like a not burnout. I just like I'm like on tour. I, like I just. Do you make, think you have to work that fast? I mean, I had a question, you know, about the the photographs and and how, how you know I sort of started thinking about time, the speed with which. It looked like you could assemble, you know, sort yeah. of create the content of the photograph. But it, and I was struck by the amount of shows you had, and I and I like that you're sort of, you know, um, you know, making me think that the speed of the shows, you know, is one way that you're sort of un, you're you're not letting yourself catch up with yourself or something like you're not insofar as you know the advice is not to get in the way of yourself. You just have to sort of just headlong into this production, and I don't mean simple production, but this production schedule. Yeah, but I, you know, I think because I always wanted to be an artist mm -hmm. and it's different than like, um, you know, that I always wanted to be an artist, but I never considered myself an artist, which is kind of like an hour that I teach in IMFA and I met a lot of artists through like numerous residencies. I think most people consider themselves an artist before they even were an artist. Mm -hmm. So like I studied, I studied art history because I wanted to know about art. And then I studied philosophy because I wanted to be smart. So like, and, I, and then I taught myself photography and I went to, I got my MFA. So I never took really seriously this idea of like critique. And, um, and so I just wanted to be like right now we're having a conversation and this conversation may be more or less or like better or worse than others, right? right? Like, like it's relatively people that want to listen, they want to be like, oh yeah, too smart, too, too relatively smart guy talking. You know, and that, that, is a, that is a feeling that I want with the shows in some ways. Like, I think deeply about the shows, but there is a point where, like, uh, where, like, if I wait another year, yeah, it could be better. This conversation could be better if we, like, edit, like, edit it to 10 minutes. We can say brilliant 10 minutes. But it's not truthful of who we are, right? So, like, I think there is something about, like, making shows where, like, I make a lot of work in the studio and I really take, I don't make big series. Some of the series are seven images. Uh-huh. And then I work for like three months, which is working three months in, in, in each, is like a long time uh, for seven, only seven images. So like if I put three bodies of work out there, it's not, I don't work in this series of photos that people have like 50. I couldn't fill up, I, can, I couldn't not make a monograph with my work of only one body of right. work, right? right? So, so it's different to me. It's about the thought. It's like how much, how much you ever gonna think to, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think deeply. It's different than like kind of like second guess yourself at the point where you don't make anything. <laughs> like because mm -hmm. I, I, it's a, it's a very slippery slope. Like if we all think too much about it, we it might well. I mean, you're a painter. If you think about how much money you spend hourly rate for your paintings, you might as well get a job at Walmart, right? It's right, like right. it's just not time cost. Like I'll keep my teaching. Job. You know. Yeah. So. I well, I, I lost track, but like the the thing is like, I. Yeah, I don't I don't want to like I think second guessing yourself and like not getting in your way yourself like, the thing of being, to me making art of being an artist is two different two different kind of mindsets. Yeah, and like a lot of the time I go to work when I go to the studio I go to work. Right. And I, uh, in the morning, you have a task of doing this. You yeah. have a task of doing that. It's not that in one act, in one day, in one gesture, you're making art. No, there is. The, yeah, and I think like I read, and every morning I get up early, six thirty, read for like an hour, and and that sometimes that's enough. I mean, again, it's like. Do you know do you, what do you read? How do you how do you um, make a syllabus for yourself? 
Like a bibliography. I read a lot of poetry in the like in the mornings, but I've been well. I'm working on the syllabus actually for next quarter. For like in, so I'm early kind of thinking about teaching this seminar about criticism and cultural criticism and art criticism from Latin American or Asian artists about American art. So, yeah, so a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of really interesting, like how you talk about American art when you are a, the foreign voices, mm -hmm. right? So it's basically being a stranger in a strange land. That's amazing. So you're reading towards that right now. Yeah, and right now, actually, it's funny, like the, I'm reading a lot of essays from different artists and, and writers, um, but also the, the, the person I'm focusing is uh, this. It's not an artist or criticism, not even American. Uh, Sarah Hamed has a new book about um, called Encounter with the Strangers, which is about the idea of being a stranger. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is kind of similar to the thing I was addressing early about how in my process and the text I was writing. Mm -hmm. That that is, I think, how it's go in the tan in the in the tangent. Mm -hmm. Is that like um, what I meant with second guessing yourself in the right way? Is uh, that I const I, I think about this language that we have to talk about art. And I think if the definition I have for my own work or for things I'm talking about is actually the right thing, right? So like I, I really pay attention to the words I'm using to describe my own art. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time you say, you know, I mean, younger students say like, uh, the, you ask them for their statement and they're like, when I review a statement for the MFA, it's like half of them are deconstructing something. And I was like, so form, form, using formulaic words. Form, and the question then, maybe they're right. right. Maybe they're right. I mean, so far, I haven't, I haven't deconstructed anything today, but people seem to do a lot that, like in the art, you know. Uh, I haven't, I, nothing fell in my car in the liminal space and things like so many artists, like things are in the liminal space of something. Right. Right. So like, it's like, is it true? Right. It's like, I rather question very simple words. You know, one of the essays I have in my book is about, um, also because I'm, I'm from Chile, right? So I translate a lot of the things in my mind. So when people tell you stuff like, I was like, what do you mean liminal in Spanish, right? It's like, and then I go into this rabbit hole of like, like what could mean in Spanish and how you would use it in Spanish, right? right? How I explain that work that is uh, liminal uh, to my parents, right? So like very little simple exercise. So like, like in, um, in one of the essays I have is about uh, the difference between in English, you say to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And in Spanish, we say tomar una decisión, which is to take a decision. So what it does emotionally or psychologically to the artist or to the person that comes here and if you want to translate everything, you might like to take decisions. When you in America say you make decisions. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of evidence a lot about the problem with class and with agency, mm -hmm. right? Like I feel all my life I have to take decisions. I, right. take, I take one or this, this or that. Right. That's it. They're, they're already uh, out there. They're not I, yours to fashion. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, yeah, I don't get to like make them out of the blue. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't get to like come out with ideas. Mm -hmm. So, so that is like that influence your thinking in some way, right? It's like, and it's very from small things when somebody, for example, offer me and, and affect you personally too, because a lot of the time I think I could have taken more time or getting better deals, but I don't know. Do I qualify if I only have to take decisions? I, I don't get to make decisions, mm -hmm. right? When somebody offered me this job, mm -hmm. and I was like, the people are like, are you going to negotiate? 
I was like, can I negotiate? <laughs> How many Latinos they have teaching here? Oh, none. So maybe I just have to take it. I cannot make this decision. I have to just take a decision. It's like, I can negotiate a little bit. I mean, I, I learned how to negotiate eventually. You know, I have learned how to negotiate eventually with museums, with yep. galleries, yep. with stuff. But still in my mind, it's like... It was a learned thing. Yeah, like you have to learn how to do it. And in my mind, still I could be like, I could have taken less. <laughs> you know, it's like, I could have this guy doing the show for free. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. a lot of the time, I still, I mean, after like, so I'm, I mean, you know, like in the... In the last five years, I have done over a hundred shows, and so it's like, and, and it's like, I still, I could like, I still not fighting for money. I like, I not, not like, I, I didn't get paid any money for the show at the new museum. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I only get the, the expenses paid from the show at the at Orange County, right? There's no like, I don't even go for like. There is a stipend here. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I just happy to. I'm really, I still feel really lucky that people want to show my work. And even if, like, I feel like I should be more protective of it. Right. How, has it changed now that you have a teaching job? Now that you have the teaching job, whether you negotiate it or not, now that you have it, I mean, does it, does it change the way you, um, I don't know, position yourself in the world? I mean, you have a good confidence that you're not going to go broke. Like right. If you, I, I guess, you I guess it was more a financial question. Yeah, right? I mean, it's kind of like a financial question, too, but also that like I'm not gonna go broke if I make a bad show but yeah. also I think like people like you me you know Victoria like I, I think in some weird way we can afford to do a bad show too right it's like a show like there is no doubt that there is like galleries that they are behind like uh, intellectual artists in some way they give you more they, they know they're not gonna make money that month right. so like they just give you a show so, but like people that they're like they're, they're, they're you know their cash cow, mm-hmm. they can't really afford to have a bad show. Mm-hmm. Like if that's the whole thing that they have going on for them. Right. Like, oh, you can make basketball balls. Just like paint, keep painting, keep painting, keep painting. Like if you don't make any money, any money, you just can like, just like, you're just done, right? right? So like, I think like we can, we, can, we have some wiggle room to make so. like a couple, of, right. a couple of, have a couple of terrible ideas. Right. But I, I, yeah, I think like, I, I um, I think the part that is was interesting about teaching is that like also being around so many smart people, mm-hmm. it's really changed your perspective about what is that there is so many artworks, right? It's like there is the artworks. So many artworks. Artworks, like oh, artworks, yeah, yeah. You know, like when I'm like, you know, in faculty meetings, I sit with Catherine Opi, Barbara Kruger, and Andrea Fraser, and, and Larry Pittman, Rodney McMillan. You know, now we have like really smart people like you know and i'm really glad that in the, glad in the last two years younger artists have been coming to the roster um that they are you know like vishal judeo or like candice lean or rebecca morris and they're like we have a really great roster of people. like i mean it's really amazing to sit there and see all these people that are in the books right so there is a there is a feeling that like you belong to something that is different than than the than the things that I was like belonging before, yeah, and like the the thing that like I didn't know if I could belong to anything because mm-hmm. like I did I you know I went to Evergreen State College like a small hippie college in Olympia, and then I went to University of Washington, which is like 
you know, doesn't show up in any ranking of mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. school, right? But I was really happy in the Northwest. That is kind of my vibes. And that is how I feel like it's very punk rock. It's like very like... Um, and you had a plan that you were confident in. I mean, you said, I, you know, I wanted to be smart, so I got a, yeah, <laughs> I got I mean, a degree in philosophy. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to know about art, so I got a degree in art history. And I always thought that being a smart was kind of a way to, like, escape poverty, right? I grew up in a very, like very poor neighborhood and you know my dad's a mailman my mom worked at the mall so like none of them went to college so mm-hmm. we i think like the plan was like either i become really smart and i'm rich or like i or at least i'm so smart that i don't need too much like i can always get books in the bookstore right? right so like so i think it was like a was kind of like a like a a very good solution to consider. And then when you move to the States, you realize that like, like basically education, mostly Western education is very like, um, I mean, people read every, you read the same shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you read Baudrillard in art, in philosophy school, you read it in Chile, you read, you, you read like Bruno Latour, you read a couple of Heidegger books. You read the same shit everywhere. So it doesn't really like, matter where you go like it's like basically there is like a standardization of learning knowledge mm-hmm. right which is like really complicated mostly when you come here and then even in latin america you realize that there is no latin american intellectuals there is some good poets that are smart but there is no latin american philosophers mm-hmm. so basically that is where i'm now is like trying to make art that like kind of evidence me or like try to put people i like or like curating shows or writing books in the way that there is no yeah the, the idea of the latin american intellectual is mm-hmm. not present in so beyond beyond making art which is you're, you're doing as well you're thinking about other ways of in, in i don't know enshrining these ideas enshrining this knowledge from a different um, source yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, writing is very complicated art, and I think... Um, Have you always done it? In the last couple of years, I've been doing it more and more, as I've also, as I feel more confident with my skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're writing in English? Yeah, yeah, writing in English. Yeah, it, I think um, also it's a different concept. English is a bit more conceptual than Spanish. Mm-hmm. There's less words in English. Mm-hmm. So I like, the, I like thinking in English in some way. Because I don't know what it means. So why I, did you Why did you start writing? I mean, what was there an idea that you couldn't get through somewhere else? Or I think that I find myself writing the translation of things a lot, mm-hmm. and I and I and I, I Google a lot of the, the etymology of words mm-hmm. to understand. Because what happened a lot of the time, you find that I understand the really fancy words because most of you guys fancy words. Any mm-hmm. five syllables word have a Latin root. So I can understand those words mm-hmm. more than the colloquial mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. So I find myself like finding the roots of the words, so like mm-hmm. trying to understand. And there is a lot of words that they have no translation, and those are really interesting. Right mm-hmm. now, one of the essays I'm writing too is about um, jornalero, which is like one word that describes journeyman, right? So, but I was like. Is journey meant? What well, there is no one simple concept in English that will describe a day labor, right? Mm-hmm. Even day labor mm-hmm. it's like it's two words, right? Wh- wh- why we cannot have one word that describes the person that shows up to work every day and does it for like? And and what is interesting is like uh, they uh, um, journeyman. Uh, 
journey is only used in English as a trip, as a mm -hmm. traveling mm -hmm. from one distance to another, can be from an emotional state to another, but it's, it's basically a trip. It's moving from one place to another. And um, so the journeyman, it doesn't in the translation doesn't involve work at all. Well, it like, well, mm -hmm. so there is something interesting. And when you find the definition, journey used to be work, but it's obsolete. It's in, in it stopped like in the 1700s, it stopped being like used as a work right. day. So there is something interesting about like when, how, when work became obsolete in the idea of the journey. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the essay is like kind of picking, in the t picking up from problems in the etymology of the word to like figure out why we don't appreciate work. I mean, why work sucks so much? Why like work is not something that, um, you know, so yeah, how, how we can understand ourselves as a workers and still, I mean, it's complicated because a lot of artists don't consider themselves workers. Right. A lot of artists don't align themselves with the, with the working class. And I think it's very problematic because even the best of us, like in the faculty, people that are like make a lot of money, I go to their house and their middle, their neighbor is a, is a mediocre doctor, right? It's like, we, like a very successful artist is upper middle class, right? It's like, we are not, I mean, besides like 10 examples of the Jeff Koons and whatever, you know? Right. There is like a handful of people that they are just rich. And usually those guys stop being artists and they're like rich guys. They, they act like rich guys. They think like rich guys. They're like, they're not that interested mm -hmm. in like, using their money to subvert any ideas mm -hmm. right so uh, i think it's, it's interesting is uh, if, even if like an artist do well you're still gonna be like a, a, still gonna be a, a middle class person so like and that is if you are extremely successful right <laughs> so it, it, i think like aligning work like people with the working class thinking about um like the video and one of the texts I'm working on is just the definition of the word job, which is like a weird word when you learn mm -hmm. in Spanish, like just job, like three, three letters, word, like just a job. But if you find the definition, it's like the first definition is like position, right? But a posi if you like translate in my mind, a position, a posture, something that you do with your body and orientation, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you start elaborating with these ideas of like, what is the job? What is the position? Where you stand? Where you stand in the world with this job, right? And a job actually is not a career. It's just a job, right? So you like, you position your body in a certain, in a certain way that is not for a lifetime of something. It's just a job. It's mm -hmm. just something that you did for money. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there is some level of, poetic and, and problematic like issues that come from like finding the right definition for the world or what or a lot of the time we find the right definition that fit us fit us right i mean i go back to the again thinking about your your description when I, to, of the question sort of what do you do how do you make a photograph you again laid out this sort of you know layered sort of process that folds back on itself that has inefficiency that that acknowledges its own failure and then marches forward um basically because of that, because it has an opportunity to, um, to sort of, yeah, to sort of crumble and, and be rebuilt, um, you know. And so I think about 
a position or you, I think the way you're talking about this versus the way you describe, you know, going to your studio and just being a worker, you know, just getting in there and, and you're not being an artist on a Tuesday. You're, you're, you're there to get something done. You're there to move materials. You're there to put things up. Um, and there's a way in which I think, um, yeah, the idea of this position, this posture or something like that skips over the sort of necessary work, the necessary being in touch with materials, the, the necessary tumbling down and falling, which is not something that we, you know, we do a lot of, right? As a teacher, as a politician, as something we don't walk around talking about how, how dumb we're being or what the dumb thing that we said was or how the mistakes that we, we made, you know, have shaped us or, or are presently occurring and that we need to recover from. I mean, you have a president that would never uh, accept that he did something wrong, but it's, that is just like the, the the top of the problem where you have never seen, like even us, we just finished the argument that we know we were wrong. And then probably a couple of days later, you apologize to your friend. Or like a couple of hours later, you apologize to your partner. It, like, and it doesn't feel good those yeah. two hours, those two days. Yeah. They, it doesn't feel good. But you can rely on the fact that, you know, you say the right thing and you mean it and the other person, the, the whole that is your friendship or the, 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 your relationship isn't jeopardized by this sort of this moment of, yeah, rupture. Yeah, but what is the last time you saw it in media? Somebody like kind of stopping themselves halfway through a sentence being like, oof, you know what? Now let's think about it. Yeah, right. Because you know when things come out of your mouth, you are like, okay, I'm going to defend this point, but I'm not wrong. Right. <laughs> like it's, I like, go back to the idea of position that they're yeah. that there's in they're 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 doing something like you say art students use the use the same you know words over and over and over again and are they really doing it or are they just using it um, there there's a there's a um, a divide there yeah which is, could be an interesting exercise I mean you think like thinking about using it and not doing it right it's like language that is being used but not done mm -hmm. i think it's a, so i think it's a well think, yeah similar to your yeah making show maybe i think yeah i think it's like um i mean but you it's funny you can see a bands like um <laughs> like that a, you use and don't mean i see well like well like let's say like what is it called the grateful dead mm -hmm. right like they tour all the time but no one and people that follow them they just go to all their concert but they will never buy a record <laughs> like you never hear you hear that's a thing i didn't know i that. think it's a thing that like people like they, they are a band that you only experience live like that you don't want to you don't want them to put any record you just want them to jam in live right mm -hmm. so like i think like and doing something is the work you know in like thinking and making and thinking and making it's, I think speaking and writing speaking I, and yeah, writing yeah I think it's I think we are we have we have chosen so many things that they are parallel activities and they we have present them as their choice right and they are like I yes. think thinking and making are they, yes. can, they can happen at the same time so you said before you said you know your work is about many things you're you know first of all you tell your students you like to think through the work and you encourage them to think through the work and you think through a number of things you mentioned thinking through racial divides um, thinking about the history of photography so can you talk a little bit more? It's like, when does the thinking occur? So how do you make this, how do we talk about this? It's a difficult thing, right? It's much easier when you keep things tidily in their, in their, in their categories. But you know, the, the, the three months, the seven things that get made in those three months, you're thinking through a particular issue. You've gathered these materials together. You, you, you have skills 
you know, photography skills that allow you to make beautiful images. You, you, you have experience with materials in your studio and maybe there's some leftover materials from, from previous projects. So you have a sort of momentum in the studio and you come in there on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday. Do you, I, I don't know. How does the thinking occur while making? So a lot of the time where you do something, that work, you can't pile everything up into one work, right? You're thinking about some mm -hmm. certain stuff. And I think the idea could be clearer later. So a lot of the works that I'm making something and then something in that making uh, brought an idea. Mm -hmm. And that idea sometimes, I think a lot of people at that point could try to reframe the work being like, and I found it. And then I'm going to make something yeah, right, else. Right. I think like, I just like, you know, I want to stick with the idea that I have and I want to finish the thing, I'm going to make the most beautiful. And this new idea that brought up the work, is just, I'm going to make, uh, it's going to be a second project. Is it a formal event, like this crossing over of these two lines or this value shift Sometimes, sometimes it's a move, sometimes it's a move, sometimes it's a gesture, sometimes it's like the way that people, you know, like I, I just given two, two examples of like, um, when I was working, I made this movie called Maria TV that is mm -hmm. a 17 minute movie about the mates. Um, I give I give 15 real mates a Latin a script from a telenovela from Chile about mm -hmm. a mate. So the flaws of representation were evidencing how far away media is from representing working mm -hmm. class women. Because you have clips from the, the I have clips from right. the from the from the real telenovela that they are trying to imitate and double. Mm -hmm. uh, but while I was making the the piece. I have these guys helping me to make a, a stage, uh, the green screen, mm -hmm. right? So I have like three guys painting the green screen and I took a picture of those mm -hmm. guys painting the green screen. In this sort of corner, right? Yeah. This, yeah. And I, th I thought that was really interesting that I was kind of was like, okay, this labor, if they do it right, the screen is going to be perfect. So the labor will not be evidence. And the green screen will disappear because it's the only reason you make a green screen is because you don't have money to make a stage, right? So there, I'm taking a picture of two things that are doomed to disappear. Mm -hmm. So I thought that the next show I made, you know, like I took some pictures of them, but then I keep thinking about the disappearance of labor and like what, what is the invisibility of like, which jobs are the invisible, right? Mm -hmm. Which job like not just invisible as thankless, but it's like which jobs are the only time they get done or the only time that you know they exist is when they're not getting done mm -hmm. right so like i was thinking a lot about like the done and undone of the labor right mm -hmm. it's like how like and and which is to me was the part that was more interesting about the disappearance of labor is about like what the lab what the person that does the labor think mm -hmm. right like with us as a consumers can be like, yeah it's terrible that people throw trash and then, and that is the only time you realize that job there's a job that is somebody cleaning is mm -hmm. when when the trash haven't been picked up right right in the in the in your office at school the the trash can is miraculously empty every morning right right but to me I was not and I, I that is one component that the, like that is the thing that makes you aware that the job exists like but now put yourself in the shoes of the person that doesn't want more efficiency, doesn't want people to be clean that much. Because in the, in the same, because I grew up in a poor neighborhood, like my dad's a mailman because his dad taught him and like that was the idea that like 
people always gonna need to get letters. Mm-hmm. So get a fucking job that where people always need you. People always gonna get, throw trash. So get, become a trash man right. because they always gonna Guaranteed. be trash. Right. You know, like so. So this like kind of Sisyphean mentality of like trying to have like a job that never ends. That is not a punishment. It's just like you want that. You want that punishment. That is like you pick your punishment, right? right. It's like you you want that pleasure of like never ending because it's ensured something, right? I mean, you don't know how technical, tec- you're never thinking about that point. But also it's incredibly important, right? Maintenance is yeah. incredibly important to progress. Yeah, I mean, you're never thinking about technological advance either. So, you know, may that, no, nobody could have foreseen like emails, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, right, right. in the 80s and 70s. So like, it's, like, that's, it's, it's not a point, right? Now we are aware of like things, so, like how it changed, but you <laughs> never know how things gonna change. I mean, uh, so, that's interesting to think about. What's, what should still be mailed? What what can only be mailed that can't be e- emailed? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I think, yeah, it's hard because contracts, there is certain kind of contracts that you can sign electronically and certain right. kind of contracts that you can... But also make. the letter, the handwritten yeah. thing, the whatever, yeah. Yeah, I... Th- um, yeah, I thought, like I seen that kind of ideas, you know, come from like one image from the world that you were making, right? Just being present in the world that you're making gonna mm-hmm. bring you certain awareness, right? So like, and the new work is very, you know, I may ramble about this thing, but the new work uh, is very unfinished um, emotionally or mentally, mm-hmm. like, and I, you know, I often refer like, uh, I'm sorry for the people that listen, it's complicated because like. When I mean emotionally, a lot of the time I don't think about like, um, basically it's like thought create feelings and feelings create thoughts. Mm-hmm. So you are never, you're, whenever you see a good idea, like there is some feelings there, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not talking about like, um, it's like a lot of like, like kind of whiny context or like, or like, or it's like kind of like feelings that they're like, it is. It just that can be a feeling that is up to you define what is, but to me, like intellectuality is is directly related to Emo- feelings, emotions, right? Yeah. right? So, like, uh, I mean, you read the wrong poem in the morning, you read the wrong text in the morning, and it really conditions your day. So, like, you can't like there there is there is things that like happen there. So like uh, the the next part the next part of work is to me I have a good feeling for it but I don't have a I, I it's, it's have so many corners right I'm being I mean my studios in the fashion district so something as simple as like collecting the trash from the the electronic equipment mm-hmm. and then I've been making these negative spaces uh, with I mean I fill them with concrete right so I'm getting positive of something which is a very photographic thing to do, right? And uh, then I ensemble these kind of like monsters that, that they are made out of concrete. So in my mind... I haven't seen these, I don't like, know. Um, yeah. they're, they're, they're quite interesting, and but also I don't know what they mean. You know, like... Um, like for example, and they have weird... But you know how they feel. They have weird references to... He's and, showing me his... Um, his cell phone right now you can go to his instagram rodrigo valenzuela underscore studio and you can see this too uh but he, so these are casts of voids between things yeah con- like all made out concrete and they make these shapes that kind of in that case i refer to those one of those sculptures by max uh, max Ernst, right or oh, there is a lot of a uh, reference to like uh, the merso right that and, looks like uh, a sink and a chair and a cell yeah and a lot of the, they are 
the random this kind of like monster looking things how but big is how what's the scale of this couple of feet or, or? yeah 48 by 48 uh-huh. and you know concrete uh, and you assign value to certain materials that you work because you work so much with them you know like i think concrete is, is by default something that we associate with uh, institutions mm-hmm. right it's like most of the buildings that we respect distrust mm-hmm. are uh, I made out of concrete. It's durable. You know, yes, and it's durable, it's heavy, mm-hmm. it's strong. Mm-hmm. But I read it's them brittle. I, I read them as like, you know, one of the reasons I use photocopy, for example, is because I, I as an immigrant, I have to do so much paperwork to make um so I do a lot of this landscaping in photocopies. Mm-hmm. And the landscapes, photos I do, I print in photocopies and make these backdrops, is because to me the photocopy is the material of bureaucracy. Like mm-hmm. Xerox is toner is the material that I'm, I'm most associated with, with, with bureaucracy, mm-hmm. with paperwork. So when I make this landscape, which is like this arbitrary notion of a place, right? Like to me, landscape is never a beautiful place. It's to me, this like it is a very like arbitrary, dreamlike. I mean, when you decide, when I decide to move to America, I never knew it's gonna be Boston because Boston is a little bit. I mean, you understand New York and the East is America, but like. I have done residencies in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I live in LA. I lived mm-hmm. in Seattle. I lived in Houston. That is not one landscape. That is not one America. Mm-hmm. So when you are thinking about the American, the, the landscape of moving to America and making an image, that image is so arbitrary that you decide that. I mean, I made that video about labor unions in Omaha with a bunch of Latinos. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like that you will find. How did you find? Just Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Just gone to Home Depot, a lot of yeah. places, and did like pay them by the day or by the hour. And it's just like you. Did meet. they understand what they were doing? Mm, just... I mean, I tell them a little bit. I mean, I, I, they, I, they all understand what I because what I understand what I'm doing is the same. I tell them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and can I, you say briefly what you did with them? What they described? I piece? basically made my version of Twelve Angry Men. Mm-hmm. I hired eleven guys to play soccer and and. And while they were after playing soccer, we talk about forming a labor union. Mm-hmm. So it's something that they are concerned, you know, like, I mean, I, I used to do that. I used to work, uh, wait for working on Depot. Mm-hmm. So I ne- I'm not abusing of the labor, not considering something that they will not consider, right? It's like, mm-hmm. maybe it was part of my, maybe it's, it's more or less present in everybody's minds. It's like, what's up if we could have, like, we could all agree to, like, Either it's 10 people or nothing, mm-hmm. right? It's like if we consider, like, it's, we don't have to compete with each other because, like, the old man is less qualified than the younger man in, the, in those kind of moments, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that I hired 11 guys to, play, to talk about labor union, trying to form a labor union, and we improvise a conversation where, uh, and then in the video is edited halfway, I cut between their place, so can I organize a team versus them trying to disagree about how to form a labor union. So it's kind of this like dynamic of like one thing is fun and everybody agree in it. Mm-hmm. And the other, something that is so important as the way of a way of living, we mm-hmm. slowly become very, um, I mean, the American dream is just that, that thing is like so present that like it, you all think that you're going to become rich by yourself. And like, it's just not something that is, it's not statistically possible. <laughs> right. Know? So like, I, I think it's a, you gotta have friends, as you said. Earlier. Yeah. So I, I, you know, like the the movies and the ideas are like so. 
it's so random, like, you know, the way that I use um, photocopies to talk about landscape and the illusion of, like, bureauc the bureaucracy. To me, they're, like, making everything out of concrete. It is the material of institution, right? So I make these monsters that they are the byproduct. They are the, each part is the byproduct of capitalism, right? They, they, they are these leftover boxes from the electronic equipments that they have, like, these odd shapes. Mm -hmm. And then I build these, like, kind of characters. And then, and then they are all made with the material of. So we build out of like, it basically the met the metaphor is very direct. You got it. It's like it's it's like we build these monsters uh, that that we call institutions out of like out of out of this like excess of money and, and like and, and and we put all that trust and faith on it, and we just create these monsters and they like and then we think like they are not made by people, so we cannot vote them out. We cannot like reform. I mean, what's the last time you saw? college students protesting in USA. Like, it's just like about something that is like, they affect them directly. Like a student loans. There were, there were, there were countrywide protests about the environment last week, but. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, like, so like the teachers are doing it and like the teachers are doing it in Chicago right now, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, but it's just not national, it doesn't feel that people are in charge of their own institution. You, th you think about the connection between emotions and thought and emotions are really sort of credible motivators of behavior and shapers of um, shapers of your day, your thinking, perhaps your artwork, perhaps your life. Um, and again, substantial ways are not byproducts. They're not they're not secondary. They are perhaps primary drivers of action and, and thought and, and um, progress. But I wondered, you know, could you, I mean, in the studio, sort of, you know, touching this concrete, stacking this concrete, figuring out how to stack the concrete, putting these backgrounds, these, you know, photocopied landscapes, you know, on your studio. I don't know, minute to minute. I mean, the, the emotions must keep you, um, must give you direction, right? I mean, I, th I feel like the emotions are you. <laughs> they're, 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 yeah. they're, they're the markers by which you can navigate this territory of institutional languages, institutional materials. Yeah, I mean, it, it feel it also have to feel right to do it, right? So if I have to be as again, it, you already have the cooking ingredients, right? There is so much you can think about mm -hmm. each ingredient, right? Mm -hmm. That you decide, you went and pick the right tomato, the, the the perfectly red tomato or red tomato, right? You pick up the, the greenest products you can find, right? You pick a good sauce, mm -hmm. like. So a lot of the thought is made, right? You don't have to keep, like the, what does the artist do that is annoying sometimes when I go to studio visits? It's like, you keep thinking about something that you're not using that thinking, right? You, you're not, again, you're, you, you keep thinking about something that you're not using, mm -hmm. right? So like once the tomato is sharp, like the thought, the time to think about the right, the right, the right ingredients is gone. Like you, you had your chance to pick you can't keep dwelling over the tomato, like, what's it like? You know, so, like, yeah. you can't. And I do it as a, as a cooking because it's just hard to be a specific, a specific example about art. But, like, once I already decided or I thought about that, you know, and can be arbitrary because, you know, whatever, I'm the artist. So, mm -hmm. like, there is certain freedom do you have, like, to, like, choose arbitrary methods to, like, whatever, right? So... Like once I decide the concrete is a material of, of, of um, bureaucratic institutions, it is. That's already, so whatever, that's already started, right? Whatever, like it's a, that's my language. Like you know, that's like just let it be, and uh, and then 
and then let's just and now I can think about other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like already the thought that idea of casting these objects in concrete was good and the concrete deformed to that and then that deformed to that. So now it's time to like make stuff. Just make it good now. Like you see like And and that comes natural. So I mean you're you're yeah. you're you're stacking this, you're stacking that, you take it off, you put this over here, you put that on top of that, not on top of that. Is this a, a clear process for you or is it playful? I mean what Yeah, what? after that you have a lot of fun. Yeah. Like I, I just definitely don't I, there is process that are painful, right? Doing mm -hmm. the research, mm -hmm. reading, like I mean it's interesting because as it's concrete, as it's like very formal. Um, there is a very complicated story of modernism in Latin America. There is a very complicated history of uh, um, what um, what brutalism mm -hmm. means for architecture mm -hmm. and the power and institutions. Mm -hmm. I mean, you grab in Boston, you see like the, the government center mm -hmm. in Boston mm -hmm. is like a brutalist thing that is in, is designed to give you the city hall is designed to give you to show you power. Yeah, right? it's over a, you. To, yeah. So like, and most brutalist buildings do that. Mm -hmm. You know, they feel something that is very monolithic. As a, With as blank a, plaza around it to yeah. emphasize the effect. And and I think that is something that is is complicated for us to consider. Like, um, to me, what working in the in the concrete things. You know, it took mm -hmm. me a while to like figure out. It's like, am I doing the right thing? But I, for that, I have to like go on the the brutalism in Latin America. Like the things that uh, Oscar Niemeyer made and the things that are happening in Chile. It's different than Le Corbusier brutalism. It's different than the, the, the concrete monsters that they, they were built, you know? So um, so the intentions of uh, brutalism in Europe is much different than the intentions of brutalism mm -hmm. in Latin America. So you have to kind of keep considering things, mm -hmm. right? Like you keep considering um, a lot of elements of like what is the intentions of the work and, the, and where they come from, right? Like, for example, I don't want to go stand, but like you know, I did when I moved to Houston. I was doing this project about the um, about the. Well, I was thinking a lot about like this was like before people start taking down the monuments. I was thinking, well, these people live with these monuments, and then my partner at that time the Confederate the monument. Confederate monument, yeah. and my, my my partner at the time was doing uh, her MFA at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, so I could visit her and. Take, you know, there's a monument road. There's like a mile stray of terrible people, right? So, so you live around these people, and like to me, it was like, okay, what is it? This is a problem, but there is not really a solution, like to this problem because it already exists. It's in the books, right? You can you can erase history. You can just rewrite it, right? So like, the problem is like, and something that happened now with elections is, it's like. The creative idea that I have, it could be building 10 monuments of people that you like around that guy, around the other monument. Neutral, so you don't choose surround You surround it yeah. so like nobody can see him. Right. right? Leave it there. Don't Leave take it, there. it down. Just surround it with Recontext good guys. Recontextualize. Surround it with good guys. Yeah. But which good guys are? You know what I mean? So like that is where interpret. Just 10, 20. Like give you all of the guys. Which, which good guys? And that is, a, is a, a huge problem America has with picking the good guys, right. not to picking the bad guys. Right. right? So like to me in, Amer in Latin America, uh, because I grew up in a kind of dangerous neighborhood, there is a lot of like people getting shot, there is mm -hmm. a lot of people getting run over. And we see a lot of these animitas, these rosa altars, these, uh, these kind of public shines. Yeah. 
and you see it a little bit in, 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 in Santiago and Latino places because they're very Catholic things. But uh, Mexico City, you see them a lot in, in, this, in, in corners. So I'm thinking there is, there is those monuments to me for unknown people that somebody make them out of love mm-hmm. and a lot of care and somebody manages these mm-hmm. places, you know? So to me, it was like, the question is like, what is the language to keep somebody in the public consciousness? I want to figure out that first. Because then you can start building any monuments. Once you figure out that there is, a te- there is something that you recognize as monument right away. So what is, the, what is the aesthetic of keeping somebody in the public consciousness? That is an important thing. So to me, the, the body of work I made at that time, I made these kind of like uh, modular shapes that they have a, like a front low right look. Mm-hmm. They have like a Aztec, Aztec look in mm-hmm. it. They have like a lot of like, they pick up from a lot of different... Um, architectural architecture icons and mm-hmm. like a lot of reference to uh, like native reference or like or like in like from chile <laughs> like yeah, yeah. in latin america and uh, so so like I, I was building these things and i i changed the walls of the galleries for that and stuff like that and and then i make a series of photos that like all the different uh, almost as a as a sample kit for all the sh- all the choices that you have to ensemble this. Are these the, the sort of fo- unfolded boxes? Yeah. With the te- yeah. Yeah, they have texture and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. And, and let me let me because my last question was going to be about you know you sort of made this distinction early on about making and we've been talking a lot about making and materials yeah. and the emotions that go into that um, uh, the process. Uh, and then, you know, you talk about sort of different, what do I make and what do I show is different. And I, w- I was interested in that photograph and the show that you had at Cloud and Man as well, that you, that you, in the process of showing these photographs, which themselves are sort of, you know, capturing this very complicated process and, and independent, right? They operate independently, but then you also do these, you know, increasingly substantial um, uh, physical installations as well. So in this show that you're that we were just talking about and maybe in the Cloud and Man show as well with this sort of giant sort of cylindrical thing yeah. sitting in space, could you talk a little bit about sort of, yeah, I mean, because that's something that happens in the show. What's the relationship between those things and the photographs, the process and the photographs, the process of making this thing, et cetera? You know, the process of making things is, is started... Uh... Because those the, things must be finished, you know, and sort of... Yeah, at some point they need to just exist, you yeah. know, th- things need to, like, be something to become a thought, too, uh, right? Like, right. Unlike, are, unlike the things in the photographs, which dis- which dissipate afterwards. Yeah, I mean, the things disappear because in the same way that, like, if I was a street photographer, you couldn't ask me to, like, where is that person now, right? It's like... You couldn't ask me, oh, let you take a picture of somebody falling down. And it's like, oh, why you don't make it falling down in the gallery? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like the photos are just a photo. Like right. it's a photo of a thought. It's right. a photo of a moment. You know, that a moment of my brain of something that happened in my studio. But photography, that is what they, photography does. Capture a moment. Right. And I'm just going to leave it like that. Right? And in the, the gallery, I will show something else. Something that situates you in the space where you can understand the photos. Right? right? So, you know, like... So you it addresses to, the viewer. Yeah, I think, I mean, I want to create these conditions where, like, people can understand the work, right? A lot of the time, you know, for certain times in your life, you light some candles, you make something, right? You, make, you cook some, you, you love one for a meal to say something, right? So you do other stuff to say something that they're not keep addressing the same thing that you're saying, mm-hmm. right? So, like, yeah. so I think we, like, we, like, you don't need to be a good director to, like, get people's faces you just need to build a stage around that like you know like 
Um, so to me, the for example, the show that you saw at Cloudeman that uh, called General Song, Canto General, that was that came because I was reading uh, Canto General by Pablo Neruda, this book of poems where I was thinking uh, about what he is writing about retelling the story of Latin America from Latin American perspective, right? So it's very beautiful poems where you kind of feel like Latin America is talking to you and kind of retelling the story before colonization and during colonization, right? So the idea of the show came from like that thought process. I was like, yes, I was like, how you, you, you can tell, you have to tell the story of Latin America, but there is a certain level of um, irony in it that like you can, you're, you have to tell the story of Latin America through the colonizer's language, right? You have to, you have to write the book in Spanish to defend Latin America pre-Spanish invasion, right? So, so I was considering that a lot. It's like how you can, how, which other times we use the materials of the people that we, you know, like, so I was thinking, I thought a lot about protest. The, mess, the language of protest is something that is present. It's like the way that like we, can, uh, you know, if we, you are at UCLA and if the person wanted to kick us out from this room and we don't want to leave, we grab these tables that they're owned by UCLA, we grab these chairs that they're owned by UCLA and block the UCLA store, right? So like a lot of the materials that you use to protest something, they are within the institution itself, right? So I was thinking that that is how I write to the idea of barricades. I was, because I was reading the book of poems that, and I, and I took, made them out of clay because I, First, I thought that making a representation, on, like a visual representation of something that is um, recognizable, mm -hmm. like a chair or a mm -hmm. brick or something like that, made out of clay by me, it could be a very weird element because sometimes you can see really close that this corrugated sheet of um, metal is actually flat in one side, so it's obviously being casted in, in, right. in plaster or like, in, or like clay. So there is something about it tells you about the manufacturing of the image, but also, it's all made out of the material that in the book of poems he narrates telling Latin America being this giant coming from the ground up. So to me, it was like, oh, clay is going to be the thing I'm doing. So it's very logical, but like the, what, uh, to me, but like, it's like the, the, the reasons of making it. It's like, it's this book of poems I was reading in the morning. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. so like, I, I just keep thinking about the stuff and I kind of dig deep into something that feels like right or feels creative. You know, yeah. and then and then that is how I arrive. And then I was thinking I want to make an installation, but the problem with installation is not a, not a, not a good sculptor. So I want to make this installation as a bird's eye view perspective of a tower falling down. So I want to position the people looking this installation as almost it was a photograph, but you can go around it. But also it's like. You just from a perspective frozen, frozen in time. Yeah, from a moment that from also from a perspective that it is purely photographic. We don't we don't see a lot of stuff, bird's uh, eye view. Besides, like we are even so, we are so familiar with that view. But like it's so alien at the same time. I mean, you all got here through the Google Maps, right? So like you saw yourself as a dot going around the streets. So like this, like the idea that we're not familiar with the view from above. But 
you need it. You need to have that that vanish point. You need that vanish point to locate your body in a space, mm-hmm. and you need a lot of the time feeling that like I don't know when you when when I'm, I, I I do it a lot when I'm having a fight with like with, a, with my partner or when I'm having like a conversation with a friend that I don't like. I kind of like de embody myself and I look it from above and I'm like, oh yeah, I fuck up. Yes, I see it. Like I really it's like it's just like I don't even put myself in their shoes. I was like I watch it from outside as a like Greek chorus and, and I was then like, do you acknowledge it? In the and moment? I was like, yeah, usually like there it helps. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, usually yeah. helps me. I mean, I think um, I think is uh, as I get more mature, I think the moments between uh, the the gap that we were talking earlier between, yeah, yeah. Uh, between like fucking up and apologizing yeah. is getting shorter and shorter. Do you think the studio has helped you become a better person? I think the studio now I feel much more. I mean, maybe since I got the job, I feel more relaxed in the studio. Yeah. I feel it's like a less a place to panic and try to make some money <laughs> than uh, now I feel it's more a place for experimentation. Um, but for years, I was doing residencies and residencies and travel around. And, and so I think not having the stability, economic stability, it's really changed your work. Yeah. So I think it's, um, I think it's, it's it's very important that like in the studio before was a place to make, 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 yeah. make. And, uh, and I, and I enjoy it. And I still, you know, as I say, like I can, I can do both. I can, I always find time to read and I always find time to like think while I'm making. Um, because when you're making concrete, when you're mixing concrete, it's not, you don't need to be thinking about concrete when you're mixing concrete. You right. can be thinking about something else. And that something else might as well become a different project. Right. Or you, that, that, that thought, it will evolve into something. Right. So you know what I mean? So like, I don't need to be thinking about this project all the time while I'm making the project. I already decide to do it. The problem is that what you decide to do is the important thing. Yeah. Rodrigo, thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. That is great. We've made it to the end. A quick reminder that you can learn more about each contributing artist Find links to their online portfolios and access the archive of past recordings by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. Be sure to share this project within your community and rate and subscribe in the Apple Podcast directory or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and check back soon for a new episode.